This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. This is Jeremy and Eric here with Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. This week we have Chris Cash of Mount Phillip Metalworks. But before we dive in, Eric, what's up? All right, all right. So so all things in my world have been crazier than ever heading into the new year. We're planning out what 2022 is going to look like, laying out some pretty aggressive goals. But one of the more exciting things, uh, less important but exciting for myself, I think, of the team is we finally got the new bay next door. So we doubled our space, our garage space downstairs. For those of you that don't know, we've got a, you know, we've got a 12-foot bar and a kind of a showroom and a cool spot on the left side it was getting overtaken by shelves of of thousands of hats and t-shirts and t-shirt presses and we moved all that stuff over into the new bay so we've got a kind of a mini fulfillment center for some of our smaller stuff and and which cleaned out a ton of space on the nice side the epoxy side the bar side and we've got some soundproof booths coming over for folks to work in and be able to focus and have meetings in and um, yeah, just more space for the growing team. And the team's going to go, you know, from we're going to go from 11 to 30 people this year. So we just need a just need need more space. And, then you know, hard to come by in the area we're in. So super pumped. How about you, Jeremy? Well, I bought a house in that was built in the 1700s and I didn't realize the amount of fucked up shit that there was going to be with it. So my pipes are frozen right now. It is negative 11 up in Maine. And uh, yeah, we don't have running water in certain parts of the house. The dishwasher exploded. It's been quite the the interesting uh, affair, I've, I might say. And so we've had hair dryers. We've had lines run to pipes and just really trying to to thaw everything out. I know the big fix here is insulation, better heating system, but... Really, we got a boiler that's about to die. We have old radiators. We have baseboard heat. It's like a hodgepodge of of different heating systems. So, nice. really, yeah, it's been it has been a uh, wood stove, burning stove. We, or no? So honestly, in one part of the house, we have a wood burning stove, which we run wood in it daily. In the kitchen, we have it was a radiator heating system, which the wall for the the sink and everything has no insulation, so those pipes just freeze. And then in the front part of the house, we have like electric baseboard heat and stuff like that. So our electric bills through the roof, our oil bills through the roof, our propane is through the roof. So it's like, wood, yeah, four cords of wood this year. It is, uh, I love living in Maine, but boy, I can't wait until it gets a little bit warmer. Nice, nice. All right, let's dig in. Let's All right. Today we're here with Chris Cash of Mount Phillip Metalworks. Chris, welcome. Hey, what's up, guys? You even said it correctly. That's awesome. <laughs> a lot of people tend to put an S on the end of Philip for some reason, which is strange to me. But how's it so, going? Good, good. You? Good, good. I'm excited to be here. This is an awesome show. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I haven't actually listened to a full episode yet, I have to confess. But yeah, I've heard a lot of really great things about your guys' podcast. That's the problem with being a podcaster is you end up listening to your podcast 
over and over and over again. You don't actually have time to listen to other podcasts. No, I, I actually consume way too many podcasts and <laughs> I don't really listen to ours as much. Roy will call me and for the listeners, Roy, Scott and myself do the Axe and Iron podcast, but I listen to a lot of freaking podcasts throughout the day and I get people that send me different podcasts and stuff to listen to. Right. Sometimes it just becomes too overwhelming. Like there's yeah, so yeah. much media that you can consume that it starts to like swell your brain. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so, all in, all in, no out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you're, you're a blacksmith by trade. I wouldn't call myself a blacksmith. I am a metal worker. And the reason I say I wouldn't call myself a blacksmith is because blacksmithing and to call yourself a blacksmith is a very kind of, it's kind of an honor to call yourself a blacksmith. I am not there yet. I am very novice in the trade in terms of blacksmithing, but I have been working with metal since actually I was still in high school and I got my first job doing metal work. So yeah, I was 15 when I started working in the trades and that was actually as a sheet metal fabricator in the production auto body trade. Yep. So I did that for 18 years. And in the midst of all that, one day I decided to start doing hot metal work. Yeah. Say one day when you call yourself a, like what's, it's not like you've got your black belt now. Yeah. It's kind of like the, I don't know, really. I mean, that's what a lot of people refer to me as because it's in simple, you know, you don't have to really think about it. You know, it's just like being called an artist or being called a welder. Or if you welded one thing in your life, are you really a welder? You know, if you welded 10 things in your life, are you, are you a welder? You know what I mean? Like, so do, do you go around calling yourself a welder? I don't know. It's kind of, of course. Weird, that's I what I do. So. Yeah, some you people do. You should see as well. Yeah, some people do, but I don't know. Plus, it kind of humbles you. There's a lot of people going around saying I'm a blacksmith, I'm a blacksmith because it's a hot buzz term right now. Right. And I don't see it that way. I see it as like, you're not even remotely close. I mean, there's guys that worked until the day they died that were metal workers and they never actually called themselves blacksmiths and they were actually forging steel every single day of their lives. So it's just kind of a, I don't know, it's a weird thing to say. It's kind of in the lines of the buzzword right now, influencer, yeah. people yeah. online, you know, that's a gross thing to say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I'm you're an influencer, an influencer. <laughs> but it's not that I get offended by it or anything. It's just a weird thing to call myself that. So it's generally, yeah. I just go with uh metal worker. And then the name of the business Mount Phillip metal works metal works is actually separated because it was a play on words that the things that I produce work. Yep. So it's like my tool, I'm in the tool trade, I'm in the forging and fabrication trade. I weld a lot of stuff and it's just like all my stuff is meant to work. So it wasn't like necessarily, you know, I'm a blacksmith, har, har, har kind of thing. (laughs) I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. I mean, I don't know how far back. You can make things out of wood. You can make things out of plastic, but let's not talk about that. I'm I'm not making anything out of metal. Metal works. (laughs) Yeah. Metal works, man. That's it. No need to metal works. That's right. That's right. You don't like wood, right? (laughs) No, it's not that I don't like it. It's just, I just never really got a knack for it. You know, I just, I could care less about a a table saw or even a vertical band saw, like things (laughs) like that. Just don't get me excited. What about your partner, Roy? hammering on those tables all day long and Roy loves that shit I I can't stand it though (laughs) Uh, like we have a rule in my shop that there's there's two other guys that work with me where there's literally one because it's a fire hazard but two I just cannot stand having wood anywhere around like it (laughs) just bothers me that I, I always think in the back of your head 
when I'm going to sleep at night that, you know, is there a piece of a, a spark or slag on top of that piece of wood smoldering? Because I've heard of guys and even seen instances where that's happened. Yeah. So in the metal shop, we literally have zero wood. Well, that actually happened to me. I was working on a, an old duster and we had the, the firewall jute that was still up there. And it was tucked behind the dash, and you had to pull the whole dash out. We were doing a floor patch. Same thing. That whole thing went right up, and we had to take the dash out. And That's and, scary uh, crap. It, it is. I mean, yeah. it, it was contained. You know, the whole yeah, yeah, the yeah. whole car was gutted, so yep. it was just that one piece that was there that we're like, just a little too lazy to to take the whole dash out just to remove oh, it. Oh, yeah. But we ended up having to do it anyway. So Yeah, working on cars is a whole another avenue of, like, things you think about before you go to sleep if, if stuff's on fire did you tighten that last bolt oh, no. <laughs> that yeah trust me Luz, i lost uh, sleep over a lot of things or you're out in yeah. the parking lot checking that drain plug <laughs> just yep. like, did i do it exactly um, but so how'd you get the start how'd you do the transition from sheet metal to full-on you know iron work essentially so I was doing production auto body work. So basically it was collision work. Yeah. And okay. I was doing a lot of repairing frames, mostly repairing frames, because in the late 90s, in the early 2000s, a lot of the machines we were using were coming from Sweden and they all involved the metric system. And a lot of the old timers didn't want to learn the metric system. Yeah. Right. So I was the young guy, the young punk in there. And I decided to take that on and learn the system and learn the machines that we were using. And then I ended up becoming very successful at it and was making a really, really good living. I made a whole lot of money way too early in life <laughs> and blew it all <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I don't have any kids. And, you know, I've been with my wife since I've been in that trade. So, oh wow, yeah. And, uh, well, just, hey, you're not going to take it with you, so you might as well enjoy it while you're here. Yeah, exactly. So ultimately, what it boiled down to, how I transitioned back to your original question was, I just got tired of working for assholes. Yeah. And I was like doing this. I was Me mixing. <laughs> <laughs> I was mixing the two things together. And on the side, in the evenings, I would work in the shop till 10 or 11 at night. You know, whether it was a lot of what I do now, restoring the antique tools, and by that, I mean anything prior to 1940. And generally, it's somewhat mechanical, but a lot of it's a lot of hand tools, you know, a lot of the vices and stuff like that. I do a very specific vice, which a lot of people know as the blacksmith vice. Yeah. And or leg vices. I just started doing those one day and I found a niche for like this customer that didn't want to go out and find a broken vice or a rusty vice or a bent up vice. So I kind of started doing those like 10 years ago and it became a thing that I started making a really good living doing, which was really odd to me. But <laughs> so I, I told my wife when I'm 35, I'm going to retire. That's what I told her. <laughs> And the week before I turned 35, I quit my day job, so to speak, and just started doing this. And I was doing sculpture. I was mixing sculpture in with the tools and just trying to like find my way in kind of the art sculpture world, which I still haven't found my way yet. I'm still trying to figure all that out. When you get into the art world, that's kind of hard, hard sell. You know, yeah. you really got to find a client base and all that. But tools were always really easy. You know, I worked with tools my entire life and I knew what 
I got excited about. So, you know, other people would find the same kind of excitement out of seeing an old restored tool and stuff. And then I just started selling the stuff and it was like, it became this crazy thing now that I can make a living. People ask me what I do for a living now. And I say, whatever I want, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of cool because, you know, I'll be 40 this year. And I'm like, man, I get to literally wake up every single day and do whatever I want. Yep. It's crazy. Well, it's it's crazy you said that because, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, my stuff isn't of, you know, top tier artistic value. Yeah. But I've copied some of the stuff that some of the makers have done. And yeah. my stuff was, you know, really close. But unless you have a name. Really close is a stretch. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I have one of your sledgehammers, bro. I'm not sure that headstand. Well, I never said I never said I was good at hanging anything. Yeah. But I mean, I, I made a. I made a chain axe one day and, and, you know, welded it all up, looked really nice, sharpened it, everything. But like you said, I mean, you have to have a following, you have to have, you know, a group of people that like your stuff. And it's really hard today because there's a lot of people out there trying to do that. Yeah. And I was totally anti-social media when I started all this stuff too. Yeah. Like, so my sales were coming from Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was wow. I was a huge Craigslist person to the point where I would start making sculpture, say like in the middle of winter, in like January or something, all the way through the year. And then the following spring, I would post on Craigslist that I was having a sale at my place. Yeah. Found object sculpture is a lot of what I used to do where that was just taking old farm implements and turning them into sculpture, you know, putting something that would normally be horizontal vertically and then making end tables, you know, that kind of stuff. It was hot there for a minute. And I think there's a lot of people that still do it and make a living at it. I just fell out of love with it. I thought it was kind of cheesy, but I would post on Craigslist every year, once a year that I was having this big sale. And I'll never forget the first time I did it, I made like 6,000 bucks in the first time I did it. I live in Maryland. So I was pulling people from like Delaware and Pennsylvania and New York. And they were all just from the stupid little Craigslist ad with a couple photos of the things I had made. And they were coming from all over. And I was like, dang, it kind of solidifies what you're trying to do in life. Like I just wanted to figure out what the hell I wanted to do with metal. And then I was like, well, if people are traveling three, four five hours to come buy my shit, I must be doing something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I kind of just mixed that part with the tools, started restoring tools. Same thing. Craigslist. I would just post on Craigslist when I get tools restored and started. That was my main source of income for a really long time. Yeah. Was just Craigslist. And wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Buddy of mine convinced me to go on Instagram one day and that started a whole nother rabbit hole (laughs) of (laughs) different things, but it's been fun. I don't demonize social media at all. I think it's great. There's a lot of bad aspects to it, but I think the good far outweighs the bad part of it, especially if you're trying to grow. And there's probably a little bit of luck to it. I mean, staying on top of different social media channels and different outlets to sell your product. I mean, because of it sounds like you hit Craigslist probably around the when Craigslist was huge. I know it's, yeah. I know it's huge now, but Zuck took that over. I yeah. think the marketplace <laughs> killed killed that, which is fine. I don't, you know, everything evolves and changes. Now marketplace right. sucks because there's all the paid advertising. You don't know what's what's yes. like, isn't that crazy? That's annoying. I to like the point it. where you can click on like say 
an old tool, for instance, and it'll take you to a page that has nothing to do with that. Right, right, <laughs> I'm like, right. how can they do this? Like, <laughs> this is crazy. I would assume same thing with Instagram. You probably hit it right at the right time and and you were able to build a profile and a following. I mean, now it's almost impossible to do that on Instagram as it is. I mean, the growth back in the day was huge. Now it's just are you paying for followers or are you doing this? Or are you doing that? I mean, it's, is that several- a thing? I've always heard that's a thing, but I don't know how real that is. Oh, you can definitely do it. I mean, it's, that's you, a real you, thing. You get, yeah. You'd get, they, they're good about banning people that do that now, but in the early days, people were just buying their audience. <laughs> Roy Scott. Is that how you built your audience? <laughs> yeah. No, I did. I did Instagram literally for my friends. Yeah. To, like, show them what I'm doing instead of texting them. They can all go here. And when I say friends, I'm talking about like two or three guys that I knew local that were into my shit. Yeah. And then it, I started meeting people that were kind of local within the tri-state region and stuff. And they were like, Oh, it's really cool. The stuff you do. And it, I kind of built, like, I look at my thing as a community, like 90% of the people that comment on my shit or send me DMS. I, I know them personally now. Right. It's really right. weird thing. And nothing I'm doing is like, out of this world, insane, cool. I'm just literally a normal guy in a dirt floor shop, just like having a good time, restoring old tools, making sculpture, beating on hot metal. I'm just doing what's fun to me and other people seem to enjoy it. So, well, I mean, and you also got to look at it though. Part of the art is what's hidden and what's hidden is the fact that you probably have this underground network of being able to find, locate, and even get leads for different old tools. Now I'm, I'm sure that some of the more valuable ones are getting harder and harder to find. And then, you know, so for me to go out and find, you know, let's just take for instance, cause I don't know really much about old tools, but to go out and find a, a double bit black Raven, you know, yeah. ax head, you, I'm not going to find it. I'm, I mean, yeah. you name dropping over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, for me to go out and find it is, is going to be, you know, absolutely, you know, difficult, but I'm sure that through your network, you're able to find diamonds in the rough, I guess. I wish that were true. (laughs) No, I literally do the exact same thing that you would do. Mm. There's no, there is, but I'm not in that club. Okay. Um, There is a network like that, that I know about. And I know guys that are in it, but my interest varies from week to week. One week, I don't even look at a tool. I won't clean up an old drill press or anything like that. I'll be into moving metal and, you know, making anvils or making hammers or something like that. And then the following week, I'll be like, oh, I really want to get back on a tool. And I think a lot of that stems from when I was in the auto body trade, everything that came in the door, because it was collision work, everything that came in was completely different. The job, it would be hit completely different. It'd be a different set of, you know, steps you were following to repair the vehicle. But what was monotonous about it is it was always a car or truck. Right. It was always like, ah, this grind of like, yeah, I might have to weld a bedside on today or weld a floorboard or like you were talking about doing firewall work, you know? Yeah. And that shit just got to me over time. Now, you know, going back to what I say, I can do whatever I want is literally what I'm trying to achieve. I want to be able to go out there every single day and just work on literally whatever I want. And I've been fortunate enough to, you know, people pay me for <laughs> right. for whatever the final outcome is of whatever I'm doing. What was the most challenging piece of equipment you had to move and get back to your shop? And how'd you do it? I haven't done that yet, but we do have something 
that's very challenging. I can't really say what it is just because I don't want to jinx it. Yeah. But one part of it weighs 11,000 pounds and is very awkward. And the other part of it weighs 29,000 pounds. I mean, I'm looking at some of these, you know, power hammers and stuff. I I mean, they're just, it's all weight. Is that like something that you'll end up with that's going to help your business? Or is that something you're going to work on? And then that's going to have to go to someone else afterwards. That's a great question because a lot of the things that I do are intended to stay here. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of people say like, how do you not keep all this great stuff that you restore? It's like, well, the drug dealer doesn't smoke his own supply. <laughs> you know? Sometimes. So it's like, sometimes. if I kept all the shit that I brought home, yeah. I would have so much stuff here. It'd be ridiculous. So, so we've got a dilemma, not an 11,000 and 29,000. Our dilemma is we're getting a forklift here at the garage. Yeah. Uh huh. Except you need a forklift to, to get, get the, the forklift, forklift off the fucking truck. We're like, <laughs> yeah. what the f- like this doesn't make any sense. So like- I gotta, I gotta put a muffler on my forklift. The uh, only way to put a muffler on is to remove the weight box. Right, right. So I yep. need a forklift to fix my forklift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually, uh, so I had to do that on our forklift. I use our two post lift to pull it off. Oh, that doesn't uh, sound sketchy at all. No, no. <laughs> Come on. You were in the automotive industry. Everything yeah. was sketchy. Yeah, you are right about that. You are right Standing on that. a forklift two stories up to get yep. something. Hell, we did that. We were putting up a new shop behind my existing shop. And myself and the other two guys that work with me are Ilya and yep. Matt. They have a really successful YouTube channel that they've had for a couple of years now. And they work with me in my shop now, but we're building another shop. And that's how we built the entire shop. It's got 24 foot ceilings. And it was literally Ilya in a basket in the <laughs> forklift, <laughs> like 20 feet up in the air, stretching. Yeah. So, but yeah, about moving things and heavy things. And like you said, it's all weight is a lot of the times I just have a Dodge Ram 1500 and I overload the crap out of that thing. Yeah. But sometimes like, for instance, this other thing that we're trying to acquire we're just going to pay a company because okay. yeah ultimately there's there's just things that is as much as you try and figure out a way to move something like that it's just easier to pay a guy that does that kind of stuff all the yep. time yeah you know first having a crazy trailer that you spend a shit ton of money on and then it sits in your backyard and you might not ever exactly. need it again exactly well i don't even know i, I it might have been on yours or or somebody posted a story recently of a somebody trying to offload an old drill press and then it just fell and shattered the head. Oh no, that was so what that was, was my buddy, Will Stelter from Montana Yeah, was right in the middle of a beautiful power hammer restoration. Okay. And he put it on a pallet jack and the, the wheel turned on the handle Yeah, and it offset the weight of the power hammer. He had the power hammer on there the wrong way anyway, but (laughs) <laughs> the whole thing fell over and broke and destroyed it. Yeah. And it was a beautiful hammer. But yeah, it's it's a lot of sketchy shit. Like when you're <laughs> strapping things in and especially going long distances with heavy loads. You know, there's a couple of times I should have been pulled over and I'm like, <laughs> if yeah. we get pulled over, I'm getting one hell of a ticket because this truck is not rated for what's in the back of it. You know who gets away with that on a daily basis is these guys that go around to automotive shops and do scrap metal. Those oh yeah, things, for sure. They'll have, they'll have thousands and thousands of pounds of rotors in the back yeah. bumpers dragging on the ground. Yeah, Never once absolutely. they get pulled over. It's crazy. It's crazy who they pick and choose on. uh, (laughs) We just went and picked up a press the other day and judging from the photos, it didn't look that big. But when I got there, it was six and a half foot tall and 2,700 pounds. 
And Matt said before we left that morning, he's like, should we bring the trailer? I'm like, nah, we'll just throw it in the back of the truck. And I got there and I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) And it was three hours away. So it was like having that much weight in the bed of a pickup truck is kind of sketchy, especially (laughs) when it's six and a half foot tall. But you just take your time. It'll just just blow out of the side of your truck. No worries. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I've rode home many times on the bump stops where the suspension's completely bottomed (laughs) out. You know, it's just like anything. The more you do it, you know, what's kind of like what's sketchy and what's not sketchy. A lot of what I do isn't that bad. You know, it's like I go to buy a drill press or power hammer or something that has a lot of top weight in it. And the guy that I'm getting it from be like, Oh, you want to lay this down. And that's almost the worst thing you can do for something, especially if it's made out of cast iron is lay it on its side and haul it because you're just, there's so much stress that, that, that casting wasn't intended for. Right. So a lot of things I'll haul vertically, such as power hammers, which are, you know, at a minimum six foot tall and I'll put them vertically in the back of the truck and, but it's all in the way you strap things down and shit like that. So anyway, that's a whole nother thing. (laughs) Yeah. We could do this forever. Yeah. I usually like to ask, it's a very simple question, but Uh at the same time, it could be, you can go as deep as you want. Yeah. What's the number one thing, you know, now that you wish you knew when you were starting out, what's the number one thing I know now? I don't, I have no idea. I should have saved more money (laughs) when I was younger, but I think we all should have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also lived in Germany for a long time and I could care less about anything that I saw in Germany. Now I would, you know, love to go back to Germany. It's that's a weird, that's a strange question. (laughs) Well, and the the reason why we ask it is, is usually, usually something like, like for me, I went to trade school and uh-huh. I never should have gone to trade school because everything that I learned can either right. be learned on the job or learned from my military experience. So usually we ask somebody, somebody's always made a mistake or something. And they're like, damn, I wish I didn't waste my time doing that. And it, it's always good to tell the younger generation something. I don't think there's, a, I'm really fortunate. I mean, I don't know how much I can say that. It's just don't work for assholes. For one, like as, as good as it seems, like if you're getting paid a shit ton of money and you're trying to justify why you're at this place, if you are literally unhappy with where, and I know, you know, people say to me all the time, like, oh, I have kids or I need insurance or this, that, and the other. It's like, yeah, if you're not happy where you're at, it doesn't matter how much money you're making, how great your insurance is. It really doesn't. Like in the grand scheme of things, I get these comments like, oh, you probably made a killing doing that. It's like, no, I I didn't really. But waking up with a smile on my face, as cheesy as it sounds, is so much better than any amount of money that I get. And I just came to this point where, you know, I said earlier, I made a lot of money way too early in life is I was justifying working for these people that didn't have my best interest at heart because I was getting a fat paycheck every week. That's actually a really good takeaway. I mean, so what do I learn now that I, I wish I knew is I would have left these crappy jobs earlier. You yeah. know, and when I said I didn't work very many places in, in my trade, I was at two shops, one for 11 years and one for seven years. <laughs> and I was done after that. Like, so it's not like I was bouncing around from place to place. But if I would have started this a little bit earlier, like the guy we were just talking about, my buddy Will at Montana, he's only 21. And this is what he does wow. for a living. Wow. And yeah, he's a great guy. He's very work driven. He actually flew out here last month and we did a project together. But yeah, I wish I would have started this earlier because the hardest thing is starting. So everybody thinks like, oh, you're going to take a pay cut or you're not going to have 
insurance for a month as you get going. It's like the hardest part literally is starting and everything else will just work its way out. It'll just work itself out. I mean, it's just like the same thing as you starting a new job at a corporate place, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So don't work for somebody or a business or something that you know isn't your path. Maybe it is right then and there and you're making a crap ton of money and everything's great. But my wife worked at a mortgage company for 18 years and she was tired of it. And I told her one day, I was like, just quit. She had a team of 60 people. I was like, just be done with it. If you come home miserable every day, is it really worth it? Is it really worth all that? You know? So I think being happy in what you're doing and and again, as cliche and as cheesy as it sounds, it really is a true thing. No, no. And and I think, I think a lot of the older generation, a lot of the retirees will tell you that like, Hey, I worked 30 years for the man and I have nothing to show for it. And, you know, I wasted all that time and they're trying to make up for lost time. And I I think that this generation and the generations to come are more in tune with that mm-hmm. yeah. and the fact that now people are looking for more time off and, and whatever. And I know that there's a balance. I know that it's like, yeah, you can't just go skiing all day long every day, unless you're going to be, you know, work for a ski, a ski mom. Right. But at the same time, like, why can't that be an option? Go try yeah. to pursue that. If that's what you love to do. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know something really funny. <laughs> I have a hard time with dates. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday are not a thing for me. Right. Friday, that's not a thing because I just work. Like, there's no break. If I, I bust my ass Saturday and Sunday, get up early, just like I did the day before. So, <laughs> yesterday, I was sitting here waiting for you guys to call me because <laughs> I, I thought yesterday was Thursday. <laughs> and I was like, I called Roy. I'm like, what's up with these guys? This is like pretty professional looking polished podcast. And I, I'm sitting here in front of my computer for a half hour waiting on these assholes. <laughs> well, here, I'm the asshole because I thought it was Thursday and I walked back out and Illy's like, I thought you were doing that podcast today because Roy and I were also going to record right after I did this. And yeah. Yep. He goes, did you do the show? And I said, it's tomorrow, bro. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So yeah. And that just my whole point to that story was, you know, you saying me saying that do what you love and be happy with what you're doing doesn't necessarily mean there's tons of guys I know that have corporate jobs that that's the best thing they've ever done in their life. They love it. Right. Some people love structure. They love a nine to five. I've had guys here at the shop working for me that didn't work out because there's no structure here. One day I might wake up and I have to go to Ohio or I have to go to Indiana to pick something up, you know? And it's just like, some people can't do that. Like I'm on the road a lot. I drive a lot and people are like, I can't believe you drove all the way to so-and-so to go get this thing because they have a nine to five job that's very structured. And that's why, like when you said uh, about doing the podcast at six, I kind of have to unplug at a certain time. My wife comes home, I relax, you know, chill out and midday is usually I can do whatever I want whenever, but you know, a lot of times, like I said, the guys that worked here, they needed structure. So it didn't work out with them being here because what I do is kind of a crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, some people love their nine to five welding job, you know, so they get to do what they want. So I'm not telling the listeners out there to drop everything and quit your job. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying just do whatever makes you happy. So, 
All right. All right. So we talked uh-huh. obviously a ton about work. Yeah. Sounds like you're working seven days a week, not even paying attention to the days, but yeah, when you're actually able to like not be in the shop, not think about the shop, not figure out what you're getting next. Yeah. What do you like to do? What's something that you unwind on something unrelated to everything we see and know? So I didn't go on vacation for two years. Well, since I guess before COVID was the last time I took like an actual vacation yeah, went anywhere. Yeah. So this past year I went <laughs> oh, a lot. Of, this is going to be weird that I'm saying this on your guys' show. I called this guy at an animal sanctuary that got all these illegal animals, you know, yeah. from people that aren't supposed to have them Yep. in one of the Carolinas and asked him just randomly. He didn't know who I was. I didn't know who he was and just asked him if I could come there and work for a week. Wow. And he was like, yeah. So (laughs) it was a crazy place. He had over a thousand alligators there. He had hyena, mountain lion, like all this really, really crazy stuff. And basically just like shoveled shit and hung out for like, it wasn't quite a week. It was like three days, but yeah. Did he have any of, uh, the what's it the tiger kings any of his stuff or any traces to that whole network of people i didn't really get into that i didn't yeah. really ask him about anything like that but you know it was all illegal animals though yeah. everything he had was illegal animals and it was just like this refuge where all these animals were and i didn't do anything super crazy but it was so completely opposite of anything that i'm into or i do that that's what yep. made it really cool and fun and that was yep. really relaxing so I actually, I actually got a chance to do something along those lines. It was really cool. And it was actually pretty much the best vacation I've ever took. Me and my wife went out to Montana and worked at a ranch. So instead of going to like a dude ranch or yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. we actually went to a family's house, stayed there and we, we moved cattle. We moved all this stuff. It was all new experience to us. It was cool to actually be able to learn the trade, work with people and kind of get a little bit more respect than you would for like showing up in your bedazzled shirts and yeah. Like, Having the guides getting the fishing poles ready for you. To go <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The stuff Roy does up in the mountains, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a strange thing to me to get, to have the guides get your shit ready for you. So you can just stand there and then take all your pictures for Instagram. Like, yeah. went to this <laughs> fishing thing in Montana. It was cool to, to be able to do a job while I was out there, we laughed. We had an old welder at our shop and he hated going on vacation. Right. And uh, he'd go down to the Bahamas and we always used to joke. We're like, he's going down with his family, but he's going to go try to find a shop to work at while he's yeah. down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't necessarily, you know, look forward to a vacation or something like that. I think what's the saying? If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Yep. I think that's a yep. big yep. part of why I don't like love weekends and I don't care about going on vacations. My wife goes on enough vacations for me, for the both of us. <laughs> she, her and her sister, they go, they just got back from the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. She loves traveling. And yeah. I just like, I, I want to be here in my, I get like a little bit of anxiety when I'm not in my shop. I don't know why it might be something, but I just feel like I always need to be in filth and rust and dirt. I just need to be working on something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. I'll chill out at like in the middle of the day and sit for an hour and watch YouTube or hang out. And, you know, me and Ilya will shoot the shit for an hour or something. I'm not like, you know, dying over here. I'm having a really good time doing what I do. And I I love it. And I think that's a lot of why people like what I do is because it comes through. I'm genuinely that I'm 
just having a good time, working hard, laughing. Like it's it's really good, man. Love Everything's it. good. Love it. So so definitely great to get to know you and and dive in deeper. And uh, we'll be seeing you. It's hopefully some stuff this year coming up. Yeah, so hopefully yeah. the world's going to open back up again. I know, again, right? Again, but yeah. Um, yeah, people were asking me about that too. How do you travel during all this? I was like, I just did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just did. Just like get my truck and go. Yeah, get just get my go. truck yeah. and go. So yeah, yeah, it's got to get back to normal eventually, right? I mean, yep, yep. We're dying. We, we keep dying. saying it over and over again, but yeah, we're pretty much at the end of the show, and and this is where we want to give you an opportunity to talk about anything you do, anything you want to plug, whatever your handles, where people can find. You, I want to plug podcast. Brunt workwear. <laughs> I want to see if Brunt workwear is fireproof. That's what I want to see. I've seen this ad you guys are doing where you pour water on, on the pants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's yep. pretty slick. We got What's DWR that? in the fabric. So it beads off. Water, grease. Uh, Jeremy just confirmed blood comes out. Yeah. You know, yeah. Keep blood out. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious about the grease part because I have some brown pants that are black. Yep. 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 <laughs> From the grease and the restoration. No, I think what you guys are doing, the, the whole Brunt family and you guys' team over there is incredible. And I think you guys are like, you guys are the real deal. This is a time where I should be plugging my shit, but I don't need to plug my <laughs> shit. You got no, what you guys are doing over there. And I'm not kissing your ass because I'm on your podcast. I don't yeah. care. I'd have no problem telling you that your shit's garbage, <laughs> yeah. but no, you guys are doing a really, really good thing is like holding up the trades and getting back to like, you know, you talked a little bit about trade schools, not being a thing anymore. And yeah. I just, yeah. I yep. sell tools to guys that do apprenticeships in their houses now at their home shops that are school teachers. Yeah. Because yep. all the shop classes are gone. Yep. And I can see that you guys over there at Brunt are kind of taking this opportunity to like say, you know, we're, we want the working class to be held up to this, yep. you know, higher standard. This is the future. And to get younger people into this is, I think that's a lot of the reason that I share. The restoration videos and the tools and all that stuff is to get people excited about older things and the way things used to be. And I think there's a transition happening right now that we're seeing where, you know, trades are what makes this country go around. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Makes 100%. the world go around. So you guys are doing a great thing over there with the boots and all the workwear and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's our bigger mission is, is at a high level. I mean, I, boots and product, that's just one of the vehicles that, you know keeps us in business, but at the end of the yeah. day, it's driving kind of the tried and true hard work that keeps the roads that we drive on built, the houses we live in built, the buildings we go in and out of running Absolutely. And all that, you know, the whole yeah. country moving. And I, I know you guys are doing a gigantic promotional thing right now, but man, I tell you what, if you even say brunt around a device that is um, hooked up to the internet <laughs> you get brunt ads like crazy to the point where my wife was getting brunt ads on her phone that's never looked up a uh brunt ad before yeah. a brunt product Jeremy and i've gotten good every time we walk by a cell phone we pick it up and say brunt 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 brunt, 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 brunt. Yep. yeah no you it's gotta, good stuff it's really good stuff you got to do that with your podcast you got to go anytime somebody has an alexa you got to go into the, yeah. the house and say play axe and iron podcast <laughs> <laughs> volume one <laughs> yeah i guess if i'm gonna plug anything mount phillip metalworks is where you can find me on instagram and then roy and i roy scott from vintage axe works we do the axe and iron podcast which is just topics from all over the world and all over the map as far as what we're talking about and yeah i appreciate you guys having me on this was great 
Awesome, Love what you guys are doing over there. I can't say enough good things about you. Thanks for taking the time out of your day, Chris. 